This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14 as we continue our series, Portraits of Christ According to the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Jesus, and we pray that you would open our hearts to hear what he really is saying and to apply it to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is entitled, straight out of John 14, 6, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And to modernize it, I have taken these three phrases and put it this way. Jesus is the road, the reality, and the reason for living. He is the road, the, the reality, and the reason for living. Let's look at these. First of all, Jesus is the road. John 14, verses 1 to 6, you need to know exactly the context of this conversation. The context is that Jesus had come in with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Monday, and people were hailing him as king. 
This same group, a week later, will deny him and say, crucify him. They wanted a conqueror, a deliverer, who would uh, release them from the Roman oppression of the Roman government being over them, as they thought the conquering Messiah would do. What they didn't understand was the Messiah must first come and suffer, a la Isaiah 53, for the sins of man. He must come as the Lamb of God first, and then he'll come as the Lion of Judah, and he shall reign in his second coming. But on Thursday, which is called Monday Thursday in the church, why Monday? Monday means command. Because when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he gave them this command. Love one another as I have loved you. And then the world will know that you are my disciples. So the command Jesus gave with the new covenant, as you've heard uh, Pastor uh, Gaylord Enns say many times, is the new commandment. It's our Lord's command that we are to love one another. So imagine Jesus on Thursday night. He's going to be crucified the next day on Friday, which is Passover. When all the Passover lambs are crucified, Jesus, who is our Passover lamb, will be crucified. He will die on the tree for your sins and for mine. So chapters John 13 through 17 all happen on Thursday night. It's our Lord's private discipling and preparation of his disciples for when he's going to be crucified, he's going to rise from the dead, he's going to be with them and then ascend to the Father, and he's preparing them by telling them, I'm not abandoning you, I'm not orphaning you, I am going to leave one who is like me with you, the Holy Spirit. And he won't just be with you, he'll be inside of you. He will indwell you, and he's exactly like me. So don't feel I'm letting you down. Uh, know that the Holy Spirit will be with you. Well now, as Jesus explains these things to the disciples, his heart is to comfort the disciples. Can you imagine a disciple, whether it be Peter, James, or John, or any of the others, who have left all? They left their families, they left their profession, they left their status in society, which wasn't much, but they still left it, to follow Jesus. They were so convinced that he was going to establish a kingdom on earth, they were arguing among each other who would be the greatest, who would sit at his right hand and at his left hand in his government cabinet. But Jesus is telling them in advance, so that when it happens, they'll believe, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be put to death, and on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. And in chapter 13, after he washed his feet, the feet of the disciples, he tells them straight out, I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to, by Judas, and the leader of this group, Peter, is going to deny me three times. You can imagine how this is like putting your car in reverse in the middle of a freeway. You are gung-ho that you're going to be on the victory trail. And then you're told it's all going to end in seeming disaster. 
and you are in shock. You are experiencing grief at the deepest level because what's going to become of us? If they come after Jesus and kill him, they're going to come after us next. We're goners. We're dead ducks. We thought we were on the winning side. So when Jesus teaches them, he's comforting them as well as preparing them for stepping up and being his church. Let's look at the words of Jesus. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Now, the first thing Jesus is saying is that peace in the midst of trouble, comfort in the midst of grief, comes from trust, trusting in the Lord. Is this not your experience? That when you've gone through troubles, when you've experienced grief, you kept hanging on to the Lord for dear life. You kept saying, Lord, I can't see your hand, but I trust your heart. And as you trusted the Lord, you felt his presence. You felt his peace. You felt his power because the Lord is with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus is saying, you are going to be victorious. You are going to reign. You are going to be in my kingdom. You will sit at my right and my left when I rule, but not yet. I've got work to do. I've got to provide salvation by dying on the cross. I've got to rise from the dead as proof that I am God and Messiah. And at the right time, I'm coming back and I am preparing a place for you. Now notice this. My father's house has many rooms. Do you remember when Jesus referred to my father's house back in John where he cleared out the temple of money changers? He said, my father's house is a place of prayer, not a place of business. Now, is he referring to the temple? The answer, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, is yes, the heavenly temple. That the earthly temple, as you may remember, Jesus said, not one stone will remain on the other. This is going to be torn down. And in 70 AD, under General Titus, the Roman general, he commanded that each stone be ripped down from the temple because there were gold sections between each of the stones, and they wanted all that gold. And the temple was completely demolished because that's not the temple Jesus was talking about. My father's house is the temple in heaven, the reality of the temple in heaven. In my father's house, there are many mansions. And if you go to the book of Revelation and you try to figure out what even the main part of heaven is like, there's plenty of room for all of us. And we're so thankful for that. And I love the fact that as he, Jesus encourages them, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Did you know that Billy Graham's last book was entitled, Where I Am? And he got it from this verse. And when you read this verse, you say, ah, now I see why Billy Graham entitled his book, Where I Am, because Jesus said, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am in heaven 
with the Lord. Never had to have to say goodbye again. And I love it how Jesus says, you know, um, he says uh, earlier that if this is what not so, I would not have told you that. In other words, Jesus knows that they have already gone through a lot of trauma. They don't know what to believe anymore. But Jesus is saying, based on my authority, based on the fact that I came from heaven and I'm returning to heaven, you can take me at my word. I guarantee it. There's a place in heaven for you. There is reward for your faith and your service and your witness. Trust in me. Trust in my purpose for you, my plan for you. You know, when we used to watch John Wayne movies, there's one thing we knew would never happen, and that is he would never get killed. But we know in one movie he did, and that was a disappointment. The point here is, it's not your time to go until God says so. You are the hero of a movie that God's working, that God's written the script, and as you serve him and love him and witness for him, he's got great things in store for your future. And that should comfort you when you feel troubled. Lord, are you still with me? Lord, are you giving up on me? Lord, I'm praying, but I feel my prayers are hitting a brass ceiling. Do you even hear what I'm saying? The answer is always, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here for you, and I'm working my plans through you. And that should comfort you. That should reduce the stress of your troubles. But Jesus was a realist. He said, in this world, you shall have troubles, but do not despair. I have overcome the world. And the word for trouble is the word for pressing down on a grape. You know how... Grapes are turned into wine. They're trampled on. Grapes are small little fragile things with thin skin, and somebody's big foot is squashing them. They are experiencing a lot of pressure, and they're getting squashed so that they pop. And Jesus says, in this world, you will have pressure. You will have trouble. You will have stress. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Just when you think you're losing, you've already won. Just when you think you've been rejected by everyone and everything, you've always been accepted and you're going to be welcomed into the open arms of your loving Lord. The end has not come yet. Don't give up. Don't resign to discouragement and depression. Look to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Because trust is believing that our God has a bright future for each and every one of us. He's working all things for good. How many things? Some things, a few things. He's working all things for good in our lives, and we are to trust Him. Now, as we look at this, Jesus is the road, um, we see that Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Aren't you thankful for doubting Thomas? He doubts here, and he doubts uh, in the resurrection, because he was not in the upper room when Jesus reappeared after the resurrection. He says, unless I put my fingers in his, in his uh, palms and 
and in his side, I will not believe, Thomas was a doubter. He's like the man from Missouri, the show me state. You know, I won't believe it till you show me, till you give me proof. And uh, I'm thankful for Thomas because he spoke up for others. Have you ever been in a classroom and the professor or the teacher says something and uh, everyone's nodding their heads, but they don't understand it went right over their heads. But then finally some kid raises his hand and asks the question and you're relieved he asked the question because you didn't understand what that guy said in the first place. That's Thomas. And so he asked straight out, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Throughout the Gospel of John, that theme, Jesus is going somewhere, is mentioned over and over again. Even the Jewish leaders are saying, where are you going? Are you going to commit suicide? And Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be with the Father. And you eventually will come and join me. So we're so thankful for Thomas asking that question. Jesus gave the answer. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ah! There you go. Wherever you're going, which is to the Father and to heaven, the way to get there is by trusting in you as our Savior and Lord. And when we do that, we know. John will later write in his first epistle, I write these things that you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ may know that you have eternal life. You can know for certain that you have eternal life because he who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son does not have eternal life. That's what the Bible says. So by trusting in Christ, who is the way, you have eternal life. Now, this is beautiful. This morning when I was taking a shower and getting ready for church, I was so excited. I almost started hopping up and down because God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired John to write the gospel so that it covers everything and then it points back to everything he covered. And he's, not, he's doing that right here. He's going back to John 10, 7 to 9. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So back in the day, a shepherd would lay down in front of an opening that had an enclosure around it, the sheep would be in there, but if any predator, like a wolf, wanted to get to the sheep, he'd have to go through the shepherd. And the shepherd had a staff to lead the sheep, and he had a club to beat off the, sh the wolves. So Jesus is the gate. No sheep is going to go into that pasture except through him. Isn't that great? You just marvel at the wisdom and the depth of meaning that Jesus is referring to when he says, I am the road. Now, let me just illustrate this with a story I've told to some of you. I was doing a funeral for a bus driver, and she was such a good bus driver, they actually brought a little bus to the Brucey funeral home in honor of her. And when I got up to do the funeral, I said she was an amazing bus driver. Not only did she drive kids to school, but she also would drive firefighters to fires. And one thing she had to do, I said, is study maps. She had to know exactly the best route to get to where she was going. So let's say she needed to go from A to B, and there was only one bridge to get from A to B. She knew exactly how to get to that one bridge 
that would get her passengers to the other side. And Jesus is that one bridge. We should be thankful there is a bridge, that we can come to God, that we can be saved, that we can be assured of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. And she would want you to trust in Jesus Christ because he is the road to heaven. And just as I said that, some person in the front row went into a coughing fit. And I knew that was nothing less than the devil trying to distract the people from what I was trying to tell them. Cough, 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 louder and louder. The more I was talking about the need to trust in Jesus, the more this person was having a coughing fit. They didn't walk out. They coughed louder, trying to drown me out. Now, fortunately, I have a timid little voice. I mean, a a loud, obnoxious voice that cannot be drowned out by coughing. And I proclaimed the gospel. But you know that back in the early time of the 20th century, there were the modernists on one side, the liberals, and the fundamentalists on the other side, who believed in the five fundamentals of the faith, like the virgin birth and the resurrection of Christ and so forth. The modernists did a study of all religions, and they came to a conclusion. All religions have one thing in common, and that is the golden rule or a form of the golden rule. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The silver rule is don't do unto others as you would not have them do to you. But it's still the same idea. And all religions have a form of the golden rule. So the modernists concluded that all roads lead to heaven. Therefore, God is the father of all, and there's the brotherhood of mankind. And that's why they formed the World Council of Churches. Do you see what's going on here? But here's the problem. There's the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction is that if A equals B, but not C, it cannot equal B. In other words, if you say all religions are the same, but then Jesus Christ said, I am the only way to heaven, then religions are not all the same. There's a difference between Christianity and all other faiths because Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the only road. There are not many roads that lead up a mountain to heaven. There's only one road that leads up to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. I was in Nepal talking to two Hindu holy men. They were covered with charcoal, and they were wearing loincloths, and they had their fingers in circles. I said, how are you saved? How can you be saved? And one of them said, I am accepted by God, and I know of my uh, eternal destiny because I said the name of one of the billions of gods one million times. By repeating that name one million times, I know I am saved. And there were some Nepalese people right there, and I said, well, how can they be saved? He said, they can't be. That's the gospel of works. C.S. Lewis came among the, the professors and they were arguing what's the difference between Christianity and other faiths, and he said, that's easy. The other faiths are the messages, all the things you have to do, and the message of Christianity is what Christ has done. We're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. Jesus is the road to heaven. Now, lest you think this sermon is going to be super long because of points two and three, it's not going to be. I'm going to make this brief. 
Jesus is the reality. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You might remember in John 8, this is pointing back to John 8, 31, 32, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Lord sets you free. You are free indeed. You're free uh, from your sins, forgiven from your sins, uh, free from the penalty of sin. Jesus took hell for you. You don't have to go to hell. You're going to heaven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You are free from the law and legalism. You are free to love others and serve others in love. You're free with the Holy Spirit living inside you to follow the truth, and he will lead you into all truth. Jesus is reality. Everyone else is living in denial and in falsehood. Jesus is the light. He sheds the light on the truth. And then um, Jesus is the reason for life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this refers back to John 11, where he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So can you see the brilliance that when Jesus says this one statement in John 14, 6, he's referring back to what he's already covered earlier in the gospel. I'm getting goosebumps or God bumps right now. All right, let me wrap this up with this. Jesus is not simply one way among many He's the only way. Jesus is not just the truth. He is the only truth. Jesus is the life that satisfies. If you want to live with God, Jesus is the way. If you want to know truth, Jesus is the truth. If you want to experience real life, Jesus is the life. And here's the bottom line. How can Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? I am the unique Savior of the world. In one sentence, it's because he was human to represent us, but he was also God to live a perfectly righteous life and be a blemish-free sacrifice for our sins. I was debating a Muslim, and he says, everybody has to die for his own sins, and nobody can die for the sins of others. Oh, yes. One person can die for the sins of all people, and that's a person who lives a perfectly holy life. But you have to be God to do that. So Jesus is the only qualified, unique Savior because he's God and he's man. He's human and he's divine. That's why he's the only way, the truth, and the life. So I have to close with this illustration from Scotland. In the movie Braveheart, it describes the exploits of William Wallace. And I took a picture of his statue when I was in Scotland recently. And William Wallace did so many things in leading the Scottish people in rebellion against Edward Longshanks, the King of England, that his victories became numerous and his reputation grew exponentially, and one day he came to lead some Scottish warriors into battle who had never met him. He announced to the soldiers, Sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. But one incredulous warrior exclaimed, 
William Wallace is seven feet tall. And he said, yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundreds. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes. And bolts of lightning would slaughter the soldiers. But I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. Will you fight? Now suppose these soldiers said, we will not follow or fight for you. We will wait for the real William Wallace to appear. Do you grasp the absurdity of that situation? That there was no other William Wallace. And if they didn't follow him, then their wait for another would be delusional. In a similar way, the people of Israel had read about God in their scriptures, but now he had shown up in person, and it was ludicrous to think that they could reject him and still claim to follow God, the God that they had read about. But Jesus made the claim when he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus said, I am. We are to follow him, worship him, serve him, and tell others about him. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.